Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome. This is the Podcaster Community Show, short conversations that are not just about podcasting, because I like to take the scenic route. My guest today is Lorraine Margarita. Welcome, Lorraine. Nice to have you. Thank you very much, Craig. Nice to be here. Before I press the big red record button, I, as everybody knows by now, unless this is the first episode you've heard, hi, Mom. I ask people some like free association questions just to sort of see partly what's on your mind today, but also I find that following someone is a great way to like figure out kind of who they are. I mean, in so much as you can do that in a few minutes. And I asked you a question and you started talking about some things and you gave me a whole bunch of interesting data points. And I was kind of struck by, okay, you're really curious, like the things that you were, um, running down, you know, the side street and pointing out were all very different and all suggested to me that you were looking for uh, unknown unknowns. I don't know if you know that phrase in English, unknown unknowns, or that you're looking for new sources of information that you were uh, searching for ways to be, um, to have your curiosity peaked or to have a new, a new emotion uh, brought up. Uh, and Lorraine is nodding along, which nobody can hear, which is fine. So my, that struck me as Ooh, is that where your urge to share in like a consulting capacity, like your urge to present, is that where that comes from? Are you trying to maybe pass that curiosity on to others? Like how did, how did those, how did the one thing lead to the other, if I'm guessing correctly? Yeah, I think there is a direct connection, I guess. Um, I, I am definitely curious. I guess uh, that's what everybody was telling me when I was a child. Uh, my brother used to tell me, they ask you, just say you don't know. And I was like, what? No, I'm going to look for the answer. So I, I, yeah, I'm very curious. I'm a learner, you know, in the strength finder test. Learner is definitely my strong suit. Uh, so I like new things, new people, new places, new habits, uh, everything I haven't heard about before is something that I would like to know more about. So when I start discovering something, I just pull the thread. Um, and actually, you're completely right. Uh, the podcast I started recently is exactly because I have so much material on the topic I cover in my podcast that I figured it's too bad. I have to do something with that. So I, I use that material with my client when I work with them. And I figured if they can listen to a few shows once in a while and know more uh, and tell me what they can do with what I'm sharing, then it's going to be even more useful. So it's both for me. It's like, it's like it nourishes me, really. It makes me live. And, and it's nice to share that. And I love it when I have a chance with my clients, uh, when I tell them, okay, do you, have you read that book or do you know that concept or that story and they tell no they tell me no i've never heard about this before it's like a thrill because i have a chance to tell the story or to share what i've mm. found out for myself i i love your choice your choice of words nourishing it's a great uh verb or a great thing to to try to do for people or to see happening just you know not of your own causing mm -hmm. uh two questions spring to mind first is name of your podcast my podcast is the, the same name as uh, my activity as a consultant. It's Codynamics, which is uh, a sort of a short way of talking about collective dynamics. And in my podcast in sp specifically, I talk more precisely about uh, different ways to make decisions in organizations. So those, those organizations that are either flat or teal, mm. holacratic, or 
40 different words to talk about <laughs> that kind of uh, decision-making processes. So yeah, it's, it's more about decision-making specifically. I, I liked, um, I'm a big fan of short format just because I tend to make these giant monstrous projects, not just in podcasting. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of like making guardrails for myself, but I liked that your episodes were, um, and I haven't forgotten that I said two questions. I have the second question in my head. Yeah. I liked that your, your episodes seem to demonstrate some self-control that I often lack about, I'm only going to tell you five things like, and, and here they are, here's five and I'm stopping, um, which I just want to point out. I thought that was a nice, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's something I don't see a lot because I see that, but it, I thought that was a nice, sometimes people start a podcast <clears throat> myself and they generate <laughs> these giant episodes because, oh my God, it's amazing. I got to share all these things. And then, uh, so I liked, um, I, I was sort of impressed by your demonstration of self-control or self-restraint. Um, and my second question, non sequitur, my second question is when you're talking about sharing your, um, your curiosity, your word, sharing your passion, my word, when you're sharing that with these people that you're working with, are there particular ways that you found that spark that curiosity in them? Cause that's something that I love to figure out. Like, I want to make that be a weapon. I want to be able to just like, and you get curiosity and you get curiosity and you get curiosity. Are there things you found that, that tend to spark that within people who we might not normally think hmm. are normally curious, like ossified, you know, octogenarians who are in charge of large companies. <laughs> Uh, so if I may, before I, I try to answer that question, which, which, the question seems difficult to me, but I, I'll get back to it in a second. I would like to build on what you were saying earlier. I really take what you said about my podcast and, and my podcast and that control as a compliment because it's a huge effort for me. Uh, so if if, I, if if you if you get me started on some, on some of the topics that I cover for my clients or from a podcast or for everything I do, I, I could I could spend literally days talking about one of those topics so saying you know what i'm going to do 10 minutes tops because i figure that's how it's going to be useful to the people i'm talking to which i sort of imagine every time i record my podcast um it's it's a huge effort so thank you very much a double compliment for me uh, so getting back to your question it, it are you asking how i managed to spark interest yeah what's what's worked in you know when you see somebody leave the room with the the light on um are there any things you found that you're like oh uh, i tried this today and that seemed to work really well hmm. i'm not sure i have an answer to that so in a way it's what i'm trying to do every time i work with a team mm -hmm. uh and I, i'm i'm always not only happy, I'm kind of proud when I when I hear someone telling me, you know what, last time we worked with you, I went back home. I remember that very vividly. Uh, a manager in a company uh, telling me, last time we worked with you, I went back home and over dinner, you know, at the dinner table with my kids and my and my wife, we uh, we we talked about what you had said because I I I didn't I I didn't know I didn't expect. Uh, I had no idea. And so they started talking about what we had talked about. So I'm not sure that's what you're asking. Uh, but when, when I hear that, I feel like it, it was a good day. I, you know, I was, I was where I was supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to do. Is that, is that a, an answer to your question? It's definitely an answer. It was placed <laughs> after I asked the question. 
I often find that asking, um, I don't want to say asking questions is easy, uh, because for me, I don't have any problems coming up with them. So they're easy to ask. Mm -hmm. Once you get over the, I'm a little nervous, I can ask questions all day, but I often find that many people that I talk to, uh, when not recording stuff, when I just talk to people randomly, they're very comfortable not answering a question. So, you know, you say like, wow, this is amazing. Like, when's the last time you were in Canada? And, and they just kind of like, they see it more as a me just showing them my cards. Like, here's what I'm thinking. It happens to have a question mark on the end in person. People seem to do that more comfortably or people are more comfortable just kind of like going, I see your question. It's not particularly interesting to me. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. And I'm not saying that that's good or bad, but it seems to me that when I point a microphone at someone, if I use a piece of grammar that is actually a question, they feel like they have to succeed answering it. And I'm just like, mm. no. So yes, your answer is great because it it told me something. It shared um, a story which people, <clears throat> I hope, um, find uh, as interesting as I found. So I, I think anything that gets said after a question qualifies as an answer. And, and I, I always just wish I could, I was, sometimes I want to just like not actually bring microphones, but then people won't show up on the calls to talk to me. So podcasting to me is all just a giant charade to get people to talk. <laughs> well, people want to talk because they want to be listened to. So I guess what you're yeah. doing is actually create, and, and that's a huge step in, in collaborative work. Mm. You create the conditions, you create the safety the, the the environment for people to feel comfortable mm. saying what they have to say or sharing what they have on their mind. So I guess you're doing a great job. Thank you. That's a really great answer to a question that I didn't even ask, which is how, um, in, in English, if I was grabbing phrases, I would call that creating space or holding mm -hmm. space for other people. Holding and, space, um, yes. There's some terrific stuff out there called circle process. If you, I don't know if you've read that in English or if it's been translated to French <clears throat> and I've had some fun experiences. I, I'm not a facilitator of circle work, uh, but I've been in a few circles and it's super useful and super interesting both from, uh, and if people are going, what look up, I think it's called the book of circle process is a small, good place to start. Um, where was I going with that train of thought? I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Oh, well, I can, I can build on what you just said. It, um, it's, yeah, the circle basically is, is how to create a conversation because there is no head, there is no first or last or minor, major. Everyone is actually standing or sitting, seeing everyone and being one among others. So um, that's why circles are so powerful to create conversations. So I don't know the, the book you referred to, but there, there, there are um, a number of resources about the circle way. Um, and basically, if you, I, I can't remember, it might be the person, um, yeah, well, whatever, it doesn't matter who it is. I'm resisting someone, the Someone said, yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> uh, so, someone said, you, you, you talk about a circle of friends and yes. that's not random. You don't talk about a square of friends, right? Circle of friends. So <laughs> yeah, a circle can go a long right way now. into creating yeah. uh, the right space and holding the space, absolutely, mm. for a conversation. Do you find, um, so I often say, well, okay, first I want to make a joke. With great power comes great mental illness. 
that's a joke. But the actual thing is, with great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely. And I'm wondering, excuse me, I'm wondering about, so I find that when I am standing, even in a circle, with a group of people and we're we're conversing about conversation, which is the thing that I do is like lead sessions on conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that I have trouble not getting stuck in my head because I see like I see people learning and then I see people turning and deploying, like trying this new skill set. And it's I feel like I'm watching like, oh, look, people learning. And then I, I just kind of want to step back and go, that's awesome. And, and just, and then I go, Oh wait, but I'm supposed to be facilitating. I'm supposed to be keeping time. So I, I find that I sometimes struggle as soon as I see things start to sprout, I want to just like run out of the room or like, you know, disappear mm-hmm. and let it happen. And I'm, I'm wondering if you find that, do you have that happen? That sense happen? Does that, whew, sorry. Do you find that ever happens to you when you're working with a group of like, uh, business executives and you're like, well, we've only covered one tenth of the material, but wow, look at this, and we're done. Like, or do you just feel like, no, but wait, do you guys see what's over the next hill? Like, how do you walk that line? Yeah, it's it's a fine line, um, and and actually, it's it's interesting that you mention executives because the one of the first times I, I worked with a small group of executives, um, I, I had the same. I was not alone, but we had we had a. A schedule that was pretty full and pretty fast. And after a few I don't know, minutes, maybe one hour, we realized that there was too much that we wanted to do. And and uh, and it's not a matter of how much you do and, and how many items you've covered um, on your list of topics to cover. It's more um, finding the space for each topic. And we realized that they they just needed to speak because we were offsite it almost never happened to that team. And they were fighting with parts of the company. I won't get into the details, but their life was really harsh. And just having a moment when they could just not listen to anyone else, just that team, not have their phone or anyone from another team or from another part of the company or from whoever wanted to speak to them, you know, they they had no way of being distracted and it just needed to speak to one another and to realize where they were as a team, what they were seeing and sharing. And so um, to answer your question, I would say it is obviously a concern to cover what we wanted to cover because I have a lot of respect for the time that I, that my clients spend working with right. me. So if, if I take 10 people and imagine if it's, 150 or 200 multiplied by eight hours mm-hmm. it's a huge cost to the company so the least i can do is to make them think that it was the right way to cover what we covered when the day is over or the two or three days are over so we do have um to make sure that we we deliver what we wanted to deliver that being said at a certain point if a conversation is taking time it's because something is happening and i i, I think I, I i can imagine what you were describing sometimes things happen and they were not really expected or they take a lot of space and you cannot just say you know what we have half an hour and the half hour is gone so now let's move on to the next step so you have to wait and just let things happen and then you find a way to adjust um, the rest of the 
morning, evening, day. Uh, so yeah, and and I think that's that's where the value of our work is actually, because hmm. oftentimes it, it, we have to be careful that the conversation remains productive and nourishing. I don't know if I would say that for a conversation, but you know, if a conversation can last longer, and that's not going to make it better. Many conversations need to be stopped before they stop producing any impact. So we, we still have to be careful about letting things happen when they when they deal with something, I don't know, unheard of or delicate or um, risky or new. And, and, and still we have to get them to stop and move on sometimes because it's going to be one step to build something even bigger mm. later. So. What, what you're describing there about as a facilitator, knowing when to, ooh, I think we should be stopping. <laughs> um, that reminds me of something that I talk about in certain spaces about everybody, almost everybody, is aware of the idea of using silence in conversation. You can, mm-hmm. you can use it as a bartering chip. You can use it as a tool. You can just let the silence do all kinds of things. But I also think that there's there's more than just what's what I'm trying to accomplish with the silence, that we also need to practice using silence so that silence, <clears throat> not just the lack of sound, but like this is a particularly silent space. There's not a lot going on versus like a busy cafe mm-hmm. that I think we also need to learn how to normalize silence so that there can be silence without everybody automatically going, oh, well, what's what's this silence supposed to be for? Like, is this a pregnant silence? Is this a silence I'm supposed to fill? And I, I'm just wondering... I'm betting that's probably not something that you're actually able to do. Like if you if you deploy any silence in one of these presentations, nobody in the room is going to be thinking, "Oh, yeah, let me think about that for a second." They were like, "What? What's with what's with the silence?" Um, and I'm just wondering if you've ever played with that beyond your consulting. Like, <clears throat> you're somebody who's clearly done a lot of conversation and super curious. Do you do a lot with silence and maybe? spaces where you find that silence is accepted I mean, spaces where silence isn't accepted? I don't really have a clear question. I'm just like, ooh, let's dig more into silence. I like your question. Um, What it makes me think about, um, I I use silence, for example. So, yeah, two things come to mind. Uh, The the first one that came to my mind was um, the talking stick that I I often introduce to groups. Many of them don't know it, and and it's a shame because it's such a powerful tool. And so I tell them, what I tell them is obviously the rule that you probably know about you can speak when you hold the stick, and if you don't hold the stick, you cannot speak. And what I tell them is you hold the stick, you can speak or not speak. And then they start you know, processing that information. So I, I, I'm the one who is allowed to speak, uh, and yet I can not speak. So they start thinking about what it creates, and when they use it, they realize, you know, the conversation slows down and people listen to each other much better than when they try to speed up and to fill in every silence, as many of us usually do. So that's one thing I was thinking about. And so when they have a chance to practice and they're ready for that, uh, it creates a, a whole new space and the conversations become better, actually. The, the quality of the conversations improves. Um, and um, the other thing that was coming to my mind is 
Silence is something I use when a group is actually too busy talking and won't listen. Hmm. And so it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. I just stand up, you know, I start trying to speak to whatever, 20 or 200 people, doesn't matter. And, and some of them just cannot stop because they, and I, I can't understand that. I've been there. I, I, I can't understand that. I'm not saying that they're not doing what they were supposed to do. But then at some point, it's time for everyone to get together and regroup and, and, and share what they have been talking about at their different tables. And so when I see that it's so hard to get them to listen to me, I just stop speaking and I wait. And the silence creates silence. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's, it's actually an experience in your body, you know, even though we're talking about sound or an absence of sound. Uh, it's actually a very, very interesting experience. So, yeah, and, and for many, for many corporations, um, the, the simple fact that they can work on listening to the end of the sentence of someone who is speaking in front of them is, is actually a challenge. So we, we have uh, sometimes sort of a, a training to share with them to try what happens when you just take the time to let everyone finish and maybe you will not speak as soon as there is a blank in the conversation. And they, some, for, for, some, for some groups, it's, it's pretty tough. They, they really fight for space in the conversation. And sometimes they speak before someone has even finished not only what they were saying, but their <laughs> sentence. Right. So that's, that's to me now, that's pretty violent. I, I, I find it difficult to, to observe. <laughs> Terrific. Well, <clears throat> as much as I hate to say it, I'm watching our time slip by and I want to be yep. mindful of your time. So thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. It was a distinct pleasure to have a little single serving size conversation. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Craig. I had a lot of fun. It was really nice to just stop and uh, and listen and share with you some of uh, some of my experiences. Thank you.